0: Welcome to ScreenQuest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. And Will Rotondi. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not a whole lot. We are here to talk about the ensemble energy of heat. And, of course, we'll be drawing a side quest and playing a game. But first, fresh out, at least for, for May and I, um, off of watching the new Rebel Moon trailer, we're going to be discussing our initial impressions of the <laughs> upcoming Zack Snyder <laughs> film set to release part one in December, part two in April, if my short-term memory serves. You are so, correct. without I further ado, you. Will, since... Yeah, you fact-checked me. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> uh, so, Will, since you... Um, asked us to watch this for the podcast i want to hear your opinion first um Mm -hmm. and then we can kind of like we'll jump off there
1: well i wanted to troll both of you no i'm kidding um (laughs) i i thought it was so the thing with Zack snyder for me is that i always find his movies entertaining whether or not i find them like anything above that is arguable but i think that he has a good time with what he does he looks like he has fun i think that he does a lot of um, homages to other sorts of stories that have already been told, but he likes to do his own little twist on it. and so um, love him or hate him for it. I was like, I watched the trailer and I was like, this is like, Gladiator meets Avatar meets Star Wars. And I don't know Star Wars was like the big thing because he like what he originally pitched it is like a Star Wars movie, and Disney was like, Nah, brah we're good. And so he was <laughs> like, All right, fine, I'm gonna go do my own movie. And Netflix was like, You want to do a ripoff of Star Wars? We will pay you for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um I mean, long and the short of it is, I just thought it looked entertaining. And I was excited to see Discount Lightsabers and some other stuff going on there and listen to Anthony Hopkins narrate a story for me because I, much like Morgan Freeman, I would listen to whatever Anthony Hopkins wants to tell me. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty much it. I I think it looks entertaining. I like the actors that at least I recognize a couple of them. Speaking of Gladiator, one of whom was in Gladiator, uh, but I like who's going to be in it and I think it will be entertaining, if nothing less. And yeah, I was just mostly interested to see what you guys thought too. So that's what I got.
2: So I I had one thought, and it was just like this this is girl Dune. Like, that's all this is. (laughs) This is just girl Dune. (laughs) And they're just in a it's girl Dune that's more explicit about like all of the main tropes and mechanics of the story. Like, oh, men can fail, but a myth never dies or something like that was part of the voiceover. And it's like, yeah, like the, the, the whole like idea of mythologizing something or putting it in a religion is like a big core theme of Dune. And this just feels like making that explicit and bite-sized. Um, I'm excited for it. I'll probably watch it, but I thought that was funny. So this just girl Dune. <laughs> I,
0: I like that. A- it was like a, it's a strap line like on the back of the bot, the, or well, I guess <laughs> under, underneath the entry on Netflix when you're, you're scrolling because it's Netflix. But yeah, it's they Girl saw, Dune.
2: They saw yeah. Barbie doing really well and they're like, how do we capture the female artist uh, audience? I know, Girl Dune. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's great. I really hope that's a keyword when it goes to IMDb.
2: <laughs>
0: Girl Dune?
1: I want that to be a keyword. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We should should come up with like a list of films that are in that that subgenre girl dude <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure there's at least like one or two more like um so uh i i think one of the things that i really agree with with you Mayon, on is that this trailer was like super trope filled and that's my one sort of like like pause and like where i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little concerned that this isn't going to have an identity of its of its own but more or less is going to be a composite of like everything on the planet Earth that we've ever seen before, in terms of like sci fi and high fantasy. That being said, that's a concern. Um, I actually do like Zack Snyder a lot. I think he's unfairly maligned in a lot of like circles. Uh, I don't think that he makes like high art, like in the sense of like you're not going to probably see a Zack Snyder film in the Criterion collection, maybe, <laughs> but I think he's very good at what he does. Uh, as a matter of fact, I um i fell asleep last night because I've, I've had a bad week and i've been tired but i started rewatching the Watchmen, and while it's not a perfect movie i think that's about as good as you could get to adapt like that comic book and he took a lot of love and care and mm-hmm. i think he's applied similar effort and uh talent to things like uh like his cut of the justice league I mean, that a completely different movie like the snyder mm-hmm. cut um yeah. than what piece of shit came out of like you know theaters um where joss whedon basically butchered it and abused all his actors like like it's just such a different thing um perfect no but interesting and like like has a stamp yes love the original dawn of the dead i think like at the end of the day this is a perfect christmas release like (laughs) i imagine like my entire family because we always watch like a film or like and like so sometimes it's like we'll do like Lord of the Rings, you know, like it's like a traditionally thing. But like we always pick like a film or like a big like trilogy or series to do around Christmas time. This is probably gonna be like what we sit down and watch this year, and I would imagine. And it seems perfect for that. Like unplug your brain, enjoy it for what it is. I hope it's good. Um, I think you're right that it is gonna be entertaining will. Absolutely stunning like imagery, like, even though yes, it's a lot of CG, like he you knows how to make a good action scene and how to make things look pretty. So I can't imagine it's going to be like horrible. Like it's not going to be a battlefield earth or something like that, but, um,
1: Oh man, you got to try hard to get to that level. My dude.
0: Yeah. I mean, or just be a Scientologist. Like, <laughs> and you're halfway there.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Kidding. Any Scientologists listening? I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not
0: kidding. Don't come. for um, me. Come for me. Letters. It's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Um, Sorry. but, yeah, like I don't know. I think it's probably gonna be um a good time. So we'll see. Um, hopefully he's inspired. Is this his first movie back since his personal tragedy? Like you know, I know for like, for those of you who maybe don't know, like his daughter committed suicide. And I know he took a big step away from making films. So I'm wondering if this is like his first project back. He seems invigorated. I mean, like th- there's a lot going on in that trailer i
1: can't remember I if he did there was like one other film for netflix he did it was a zombie was it the movie.
0: zombie one i think so the, yeah something of the army of the dead maybe
1: yeah i think so that might have come out afterwards
0: okay yeah i can't remember if he was like a producer or director i know he was like attached to it um that's my one gripe. like as a quick sidebar this trailer is way too long like it's fucking three and a half minute long i, I have a big like I don't know, like uh pet peeve and when it comes to trailers sometimes showing you too much. Yeah. I think this movie this trailer could have stopped a solid minute before or been condensed down into a, a solid minute shorter. A lot of what I saw, I would have been so much more delighted. Like if it was like, whoa, this is in the movie and that's in the movie.
2: But they have to really? show all the tropes, Chris. And there's so many that's tropes. Right
0: that's right bro when anthony hopkins was speaking and i saw that thing through the field the horns i thought i was watching a trailer for like no shit like thor ragnarok is that the one with like uh i like genuinely thought i clicked on the wrong thing i was like oh shit like no 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 oh whoa this is the right trailer because i think there's like a very (laughs) similar shot of uh (laughs) cate blanchett like in a field with the horns and anyway
1: I mean, I wouldn't mind if she shows up too. Like, that's not a problem. Just putting it out there. But
0: <laughs> did you see one? Carrie Ellis is going to be in this. What? Really? I at, like, I looked at the cat. Like, there's a massive cast. No. Hmm. Carrie Ellis is going to be in this. So there you go. Wesley himself.
2: Nice. See now I have to watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it if he's just the Dread pri- Pirate Roberts. Like, <laughs> it's like this movie literally is an amalgamation of like everything. Like, like <laughs> oh god, that'd be great amalgam yeah anyway um well thanks will for for making me watch that i honestly like yes. saw that it aired at uh i think it's gamescom in germany this this week and i was like yeah well, you know zach steider like oh, i'm sure i'll wait like and when when it comes out i'll take a peek or see what people are thinking of it but now i'm gonna watch it so marketing worked yay <laughs> nice
2: yeah are you getting kickbacks will?
0: Uh no <laughs> what what are you talking about no. <laughs> This, pod, this podcast is sponsored by Zach Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, let's let's draw us a side quest here and move on before we talk about heat. This is Adaptation Station. So, going to talk about a film adaptation of any medium. So, I think Adam our our guest who was on The Rescue um had um a pick for this last time, so I'll open it up to to you guys. If you have one that springs to mind, we can talk about it. Otherwise, I'm happy to field this one. If you don't, remind me again about the prompt. <laughs> I know this it's, is really It's, sad it's really just you. it's it's very <laughs> loose and broad. Um, like yeah. any adaptation. So it could be from novel to screen, graphic novel no, to right. screen, video game yeah. to screen. Like literally any adaptation that's made its way from another medium to screen do you have a favorite and and why like why do you love it and why do you think it's a good adaptation or an interesting adaptation if you think it's a mixed bag so watchmen um interestingly enough i had not read the graphic novel before i saw the trailer for this movie and you want to talk about a great trailer that doesn't tell you shit and is like a good length After this podcast, maybe I'll stick it on the end because I need something. Oh, no, no, never mind. I've got an idea what needs to go for the secret audio clip at the end of the podcast. And if you didn't know that was a thing, it is absolutely a thing. Um, Anyway, like I remember sitting, I was in um, the theaters to see Hellboy 2. And that, that's how vivid my memory is of this trailer. Like, what is this? And I hear uh, the Smashing Pumpkins like kick up and there's like the Warner Brother logo going and just two minutes of gorgeous imagery. And I could tell that this was not a superhero thing like anything that i would ever seen. I mean, this is probably like maybe Iron Man and a couple things were out. But um, even so, like it was apparent that it was very, very different. And immediately after seeing Hellboy 2, I'm like, all right, Watchmen. Like I- I've heard that before. I've seen like a little bit like on the Internet here and there what the hell is Watchmen? And then proceeded to buy the graphic novel, read it from the back, completely stunned. And of course, like went to see the, uh, the movie, like maybe seven, eight months later. And while I don't think it's perfect, I think there's some questionable casting choices that just don't quite work in the film. I think that it is faithful to a degree that I've never seen before for like a comic adaptation. I mean, from the start of like chapters of the book, like where you'll have like rain falling down, like on a statue and how it's sort of like the camera zooms out, mimicking how the panels kind of like get farther away. Uh, the overall structure of the story. Um, and just like, I don't know, like it, it felt like that story was being told the way I would want it to be told great soundtrack too. like lots of amazing pop music everything from 99 red balloons to simon and garfunkel and you know i think maybe a few months later like the the dvd or like home video came out and there was a director's cut and it was even better like i was like oh there's a lot of little things that like as a fan of the comic i wish they had um they didn't make it into it and then um they you know, uh, had like the half hour longer cut that sort of addressed some of that, and then there was an ultimate cut that I that's that I started watching last night, where they insert this weird uh, graphic novel within a graphic novel into Watchmen, where it's a pirate story that's sort of mirroring like what's going on in like the main story. And I don't think that's as, as successful so far, like in terms of like a film adaptation. I feel like it slows down the movie significantly, but um, I liked it. I you know I, I like the signature Zack Snyder like slow down speed up action stuff works really well for this and i think like he was the right person to develop an r rated superhero movie that's not really about superheroes like it's not the boys it's not funny it is about uh, a 1980s uh, for, for anybody that doesn't know like a 1980s like world that should be utopian like given like all the things that happen in this alternate timeline and instead it seems like worse than you know like we won vietnam and uh we have like a, an actual like one superhero who could do anything and like things are like worse than ever and uh yeah i just i loved it i thought it was a really really good one have have you seen it before will have you seen watchmen
1: yeah it's probably since oh hey sorry cat just hopped up over here <laughs> to join the podcast um yeah i it's been ages it was like right when it came out and oh, so yeah. I watched it and had not read the graphic novel, so had no context and enjoyed it overall, but I would be interested to hear about your casting thoughts, so we'll circle back to that. But yeah, overall, um, I thought it was very visually beautiful, and from what I heard was very true to the the basic like aesthetic of the comic. I had a roommate who hated it when it came out, because I guess we were what? Uh, I feel like I watched it in college. So I just remember a roommate at some point in college telling me that he was like, like, he just did not like Zack Snyder for whatever reason. And I don't, I couldn't tell you what it was, but yeah.
0: So um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Sorry, not fair very in-depth, but
1: very short and well, six-depth. Uh,
0: May, have you ever seen Watchmen before?
2: Uh, No, I haven't. But I was actually thinking about The Sandman when you were talking about how the like film Shots would kind of mirror like specific panels from the graphic novel. Cause I know Simon did that. So hearing Watchmen does this similar kind of stuff makes me want to watch it more.
0: It's, it's imperfect. Like, I mean, I'll admit like it's, I, I would not consider it like an excellent film. I think it's, it's good and it's infinitely more interesting if you do read the source material either after or before, like before is probably, uh, better, but, um, I think it's specifically Zack Snyder's eye. Like he's got such an eye for detail and he really knows how to frame things right that made it feel so, so faithful. Um, To answer your question, well, in terms of casting. So I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian was like, couldn't have picked anybody better. He does an amazing job handling a very complex character who does terrible things. And then, you know, has to sort of like, come Across as like sympathetic, like after seeing some terrible things, right? Like the whole kind of like first like half hour of the movie is establishing, oh, this guy that like dies in the opening scene, like, uh, wasn't a nice person, you know. And then by the end of the film, you have sort of mixed feelings about who he is and why he did. But, um, I liked Rorschach, so uh, Jackie Earl Haley, who plays Rorschach, does a great job. He was the most important character, I think, to get right. Um, I liked. Night Owl, what's uh, Patrick Wilson? I think is his name. Who was in the Conjuring movies? Like, as I may, I may be getting that wrong. Like, he's okay. Um, and then like actors that I feel like kind of missed the mark. Uh, was Billy Crudup as Doctor Manhattan was very flat, and I know that's it's tough because that character is sort of supposed to be like detached a little bit from humanity and forgotten a little bit, like who he is because of like what he is. Um, and I hated Silk Specter too. Um, I just like she did not do it for me at all. She like she's a beautiful woman, and I'm sure she's like a talented actress. But I think it's uh, Melan Ackerman is her name. Uh, just did not like, just didn't do it for me. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of over, all over the place. I think like there were some people that were better suited than others. But um, I'll be I'll be interested to see like how I feel about this like mega cut that I'm watching like as I get to the. Uh, to the end of it because I think that's almost like faithful to a fault where, like, the story within a story works in the graphic novel because, like, it is meant to be sort of like this comprehensive, um, like in between each like chapter or issue, there's always like a primary source or something weird in there to kind of like ground you more into the world. Whereas, like, a film has got to like move, right? Like, and I think if you're into the story of what's going on with like the world of Watchmen and suddenly you're cutting to, um, uh, what's his name gerard butler like narrating like a high seas like pirate adventure <laughs> like it just doesn't <laughs> just doesn't work as well as it does in the graphic novel you're like kind of ready for a break uh interestingly enough i think a better adaptation it's more of like a sequel remix is the hbo show which like i mean they couldn't have predicted but like the whole thing is centered around like um police and like race relations and like um uh, came out i think think like literally like two months or three months before like everything kind of kicked off with george floyd and beyond um it was so fucking timely and uh like was amazing it's technically a sequel but i mean like you could kind of consider it a reboot too because it takes a lot of the themes of the Watchmen and turns it on its head and that's a fantastic show but you have to have read the comic it is more of a sequel to a comic so anyway sorry very long-winded that is how i feel about the Watchmen. And I think everyone should uh, should read the graphic novel, if nothing else. It's great. Well, let's go ahead and transition over to our main topic of the show, which is the ensemble energy of heat. Mm -hmm. So, Will, if you would, sir, guide us through heat. It would be my pleasure. And
1: there are too many names that I will probably forget people that were in this film (laughs) that I saw. It is like it's just I mean, it's like people that you you thought hey, I know that guy. Like, I recognize them. Whether or not they were big at the time, because this was, what, back in 95. So, I mean, I was probably nine years old at that point. I clearly, probably had not seen this film until like probably like 10 years later, maybe. Um, but anyway, I'm skipping ahead on that. Let me go back and recap a little bit of the film, just uh, so that we have our bearings on that and then move forward with, with talking about how we feel about... Well, anybody really. There's quite a few people to choose from, but um, Heat. It's directed by Michael Mann. Came out in '95. Stars about as many people as I said that I could probably mention in the in the film's actual runtime, which is just shy of three hours. And for the big ones, we've got Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, Ashley Judd, Danny Trejo. I gotta I gotta throw your name out there, man. Natalie Portman. Uh, when she was very young, and I have no doubt we will get to several other people. John Voight, uh, I'm missing several, but we're going to skip ahead on that.
0: Henry uh, Rollins, man, come on. Like, I know, stars?
1: it's <laughs> true. <laughs> I, gotta, I know. See, that's the thing. Like, you can't. No, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the film starts out with De Niro, uh, who's leading a crew uh, of bank robbers. Uh, they're trying to knock off an armored vehicle at the beginning of the film, uh, which does not go to plan because they have a last minute addition to their team. A guy named Wingro who gets a little trigger happy and kills one of the guards, which then subsequently they end up shooting the other two guys, uh, the other two guards that are with him. Uh, De Niro later tries to beat up and then kill Wingro for messing up the the heist, but Wingro ends up getting away. And the armor truck heist then gets, clearly gets the police involved, which is where we get Lieutenant Vincent Hanna, who's played by Al Pacino. Um, who then reaches out, talks to one of his informants, uh, gets some information that connects him to one of the members of the of De Niro, which I should say the character's name is Macaulay. Um, so Macaulay's crew, uh, which is a guy named Chirito, who's played by Tom Sizemore. Uh, From there, we get a little bit of backstory, some character development about both the the bank robbers as well as the police, more so the bank robber relationship. You get a little bit of some of the cops that are involved, but some of their backstories, their relationships with other characters. um, And then we kind of see as uh, as Vincent Hanna tries to, you know, every step he takes to try and track him down, there's a little bit of a setback here. Um, as they realize who's tailing them and then try to thwart their attempts to to get them caught in the act. Um, a few additional subplots, whether we're talking about the guy whose money was stolen from the armored truck, Roger Van Zant, who's played by William Fitchner and who tries to send some guys to kill McCalling and his crew uh, for doing that to him. We've also got kind of an odd romance that goes on between Macaulay and this woman named Edie, who's played by Amy, Amy, excuse me, Brenneman. Uh, We've got a little bit of uh, understanding about what uh, uh, Lieutenant Hannah's uh, relationship is or kind of souring relationship is with his wife, his third marriage, uh, as well as the relationship with uh, her, excuse me, his stepdaughter played by Natalie Portman. And then we get some other really good scenes as well, like the iconic exchange between him and Macaulay in the diner uh, that takes place a little bit before the bank robbery. I know I'm kind of jumping around just because it's a even though movie, man. <laughs> it is there is so much that's going on that it's like you try to recap it all and it almost just sounds like you're reading off of a list. And, and it's, it's long. Just,
2: it's almost three it, hours. It's
1: very long so yeah in fact my wife was even joking about how this, this should have been like a, like a tv show and oddly enough almost would have been originally when michael mann tried to make it one uh did a pilot called la I say it was la takedown it was mm-hmm. that tried didn't work out and so he was able to make a film but long story short after getting through about a dense three hours we have a colleague who tries to use his connection well first off they do end up trying to rob the bank and they almost get away with it. But then Wangro gives a tip-off to the cops. Hannah shows up with his, with some of his guys. There's a big shootout in the street. Half of Bacali's team gets killed. He and uh, Chris, who's played by Val Kilmer, make it out of there. Chris gets patched up because he got shot. John Boyd, who's kind of like Bacali's uh, I don't know what you would call him, but he's the guy who tries to set up the deals and help him figure out logistics, basically gives him an out to try and get on a plane and get out of town. But Macaulay wants a little bit of that revenge on Wingrove, So he goes to where Wingrove's camping out at a hotel by the airport and kills him and then is chased by Hannah, who shows up afterwards, uh, to basically run out onto the tarmac at LAX. They have a little bit of a shootout, and Macaulay gets hit and he's slowly dying, kind of rested up on like uh, the power generator or something that's out there by the landing strip. And uh, the last shot of the film is him uh, reaching out to Hannah and them kind of holding hands as he passes away slowly. So, and I think that covers the main plot points. Again, very dense, a lot of stuff going on. But in terms of the cast, it is pretty stacked i mean you got the big hitters yeah you know, i mean like i'm sure marketing alone for like De Niro and pacino facing off against each other was like amazing back in the day um and still holds up now you know as a couple of big name actors and but beyond that i mean like there are just there's so many characters there's a lot of different subplots and there's a lot of moments where i did i felt like i was like i forgot this person was in this film Like, I recognize that guy or I recognize that actress. And so uh, before we jump into quite a few options of people we can talk about, um, I would like to get some general impressions. And, uh, mate, let's go ahead and and start with you.
2: Um, This is the film of a wonderful bromance and (laughs) men working out their feelings with their little crimes. And <laughs> um, it was not at all what I was expecting. Um, yeah, I thought it'd be much more intense. I didn't think it'd be so lighthearted in certain places with like Al Pacino's crazy lines and delivery. And that was that was good levity, I think. And it didn't it didn't take itself as self seriously as I thought it would. Um, it, it it did still to an extent, but not as much as I kind of expected. Um, I also had a lot more like emotionally devastated devastating things in it than I was expecting too it wasn't very superficial like the whole um attempted suicide with uh Natalie Portman's character was really bleak and intense and completely out of left field for me not necessarily in a good way either but um I will say it defied expectations for me
1: yeah I will I mean we'll uh, it is something that I'd like to talk about a bit more, but yeah, the the ladies of this film, man, it's like they they get the short end of the. I mean, most of them don't uh, like. There's the characters make it out of the story, like they all end up okay in the sense that nobody, to that I can recollect, ends up dying, but they all just. It sucks, man. It's rough for them. And no one's really happy. Like the last scene that I think you see of any of the female characters in this movie, like the main ones, they're all either about to cry, crying, or they just look sad and depressed. Or Natalie Portman's character who attempted to kill herself. So clearly yep. unhappy. So it's yeah, it is. It's it's a bit rough. And it is very much like a bro movie.
0: I feel like men, in terms men of is like, the common cause of that too. Like I would yeah, point out, yeah. like oh yeah, it is all the dudes' fault. I think Michael Mann's very aware of like I don't know the effects and sort of the absentee <laughs> nature of husbands and fathers. And you yeah. know, we can talk a little bit more about it. What he might be saying, but yeah, man, the the man is the cause, and <laughs> not like the man as in like the government, but like
1: yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes man's sometimes, keeping you yeah. down, man. He's keeping down yeah that's valid though i feel like this is definitely like a like when i was growing up people would talk about like the godfather being like a guy's movie like that's the guy thing to watch and i feel like this is very much sort of in that same vein it's like heat that's the guy flick to go watch for like heisty movies so but anyway i digress but yeah, Chris. I n- <laughs> clearly, I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I'm, I'm not sure how many times you've watched this. You said you watched this like yearly, right? So this is like... just
0: about. I mean, yearly starting maybe like five years ago or so. Like it was okay. one of those movies that, um, like my my cousins and I, growing up, first cousins, like you know we um saw each other a lot, and there was always like a media swap. Like our parents didn't have like a lot of oversight or care about what we watched as long as we weren't like showing signs of being disturbed or something. They felt like we could handle it, you know, mm-hmm. past the age of 10, it was pretty much like whatever. So this was one of those movies that I borrowed from my, uh, my cousins, like home media collection and uh, liked a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun and then probably watched it and maybe once in college. And then I don't know, man, m- maybe five or six years ago, Pulled it out for the first time. I was like, yeah, heat's a good one, huh? And um, was just blown away by how fantastic it was. And I've just revisited it over and over again. And it's got something new, like, every time for me. And, like, Michael Mann in general, like, I love seeing him, like, get his dues, like, finally. Like, I think as a director, a lot of people love Manhunter, which was, like, an adaptation of Red Dragon, you know, which was, like, the first Hannibal Lecter movie. Did that. Uh, played by brian cox but um collateral is fantastic and thief i just saw our friend david williams post about thief which i've never seen but uh no i love it it's it's a great movie i think the the cast is you know probably 60 percent of the success of this movie it's got a great score phenomenal action scenes and cinematography aside from some of the weird green screen like stuff that it stands out like a sore thumb, like in 4K, especially like it probably wouldn't have been noticeable on your like little CRT TV, but fucking how it looks bad in 4K. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a really special movie. I'd probably put it in my top five of the 90s, like alongside things like Schindler's List and, you know, Goodfellas and some other like Big Lebowski. Like, I have you know, a pretty short list of 90 movies that are 90s movies that are great. But I think this is up there for me for sure. Nice. Um, i just love it. any chance to watch this like i'm I'm there
1: yeah man i'm pretty much on the same opinion of it i think it's more it is really for pacino and de niro i mean and like yes. the um i think i mentioned this to the last time when you were asking about why i chose it it's i mean it's partly for the the ensemble cast but at the same time i love how i feel like i'm actually in the movie like sound effects wise like you feel like you're in a gunfight it just everything just reverberates and feels intense like whether it's the shootout down the main strip outside the bank or even when they're at the airport like airplanes are coming through and you just you feel like how loud it is and it's Uh, There's something about that that I really appreciate. Collateral was the same way. I'm glad that you brought that up with Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, and Jada Pinkett Smith, I want to say. Um, Such
0: a good movie, man.
1: That one was excellent. And I felt the same way. When somebody fired a gun, you felt it. Like it didn't seem like it was typical Hollywood, you know, like where, oh, everybody can hear everything in a firefight. It's like, no, they're yelling and they can barely hear each other. And so that was, it was good. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it was it was one of those things where because I was so young and it was very much the guy mentality of watching shoot 'em up flicks, you know, stuff like that where it was like that was sort of where I gravitated originally, and then I got more out of it, the older I got, and the more I could and and enjoy it for the character development and at the same time, too conversely feel like it is very much like that masculine male mentality um, of a crime thriller and we'll talk more in terms of characters but also then feeling like bad for the female characters in the film and like wishing that there had been a little bit more we could have had to flesh that aspect of it out especially since it was already pushed in three hours like just double down man let's go ahead and get some more you know let's get this well-rounded for everybody but
0: it's it's funny that you say that because like this movie to me is like you miss the point by idolizing them starter pack like the movie <laughs> yes. kind of like yes. um yeah. so like the like hearing you like say that like is it, that's exactly sort of like what i was thinking when i re-watched it five or six years ago is like i love this movie for a completely different reason as like a 10 12 year old whatever you know like age I was like when this like yeah. came out and I saw it the first time where it was just a cool like crime movie where people swore and like there was mm-hmm. gunfights and you know Pacino's acting like a madman, Um, and then like seeing it again like as you get older and like the complexities and like nuances like being a parent and but but yeah the way that women are treated in particular I de- I've always read it as like again Michael Mann is saying something very specific about you know the attitudes of like probably like pol- you know police detectives and things like that but probably guys in general with like how they they treat um uh, their their significant others and yes the only person i've really like um felt like was underdeveloped and you kind of touched on that and i'm sure we'll get to it was a uh, is her name edie the uh the artist the graphic I design agree. yeah like i, I know, mean like in sure terms of graphic like, design <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Just, I, in terms of like missing the mark the other people I felt like were a little more intentional um yeah. like her her like that whole storyline has always sort of perplexed me a little bit like in terms of how it like uh, it just a little bit clum- clumsy but anyway we'll get there I'm sure
2: oh yeah yeah like no. girl you're, you're you're right on the precipice of an amazing career trajectory just just Focus on you. Focus on all the graphic design stuff. You'll be great. Ignore the mob boss. Focus on your career.
1: That's right. (laughs) There are other cool looking dudes that I'm sure come through the bookstore that find interesting books like it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly he didn't need it for anything real so (laughs) that was the whole segue right? Anyway. Yeah. It It is weird but we will talk about that. But first... Let's go ahead and just I mean because it's Pacino and de Niro, I mean I, I gotta get your your uh, your feedback um, about thoughts either on the character, the choice of who to portray them, anything and everything we can uh, we can discuss Vincent Hannah and Neil McCauley.
2: Yeah. so uh, I loved the diner scene that uh, I can't remember which one of you pointed it out, but the the diner scene was awesome uh well shot cool back and forth completely unbelievable but just like an <laughs> en- engaging dialogue and yeah. if I have good on-screen chemistry and it's cool for these two that have been chasing each other to actually sit down face to face like it's a very suspenseful scene um did you want me to like pick one above the other or just kind of qualitatively evaluate them? no
1: it's pretty open to any and all thoughts it's gonna be a very free flow kind of a deal um okay. you can if you want to you be like look i mean pacino acts like he's coked out but i trust him over you know de niro or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is that uh, that feels
2: good so. <laughs> it is interesting that al pacino's character like just exudes a kind of confidence and bravado that's probably fake but just just does that by saying all this unhinged shit all the time i <laughs> was like robert de niro i think might might be a better planner it might be a bit better at his uh, quote-unquote job um but i you know ironically his character also comes off as a lot more anxious and concerned and obviously he's on the run that's part of it but i don't know that was like one difference i noticed between the two of them um and, yeah, they, they have good on-screen chemistry. I thought the ending was touching where, um, you know, Al Pacino holds his hand while he's dying. Nice, generous move there. Um, but, yeah, I just, I couldn't take Al Pacino's character seriously. <laughs> like, I, I, I could believe Robert De Niro's character was kind of a, like, um, decently competent criminal <laughs> because with Al Pacino, I'm just like did you just like yell to get this job like how <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you just like it me be bad <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: exactly like that maybe a little bit yeah he mostly acts like-, like that to be fair around criminals like I think it's like a tactic to like put people on there he doesn't talk like that to De Niro like interestingly enough like when they're Maybe it's because, like, they're coming from a place of mutual respect, but, like, the scene behind Will or when he's talking to uh, Tone Loke, and, you know, it's not waste my motherfucking time. Like, you know, he's very much, I think, I don't know, the way I've always read it is, like, he's trying to, like, get people on edge and keep them sort of there so that he can have the upper hand. It is a refreshing sort of thing versus, like, say, like a A Doyle, like, like the Gene Hackman French Connection character who, like, is just you know, racist and mean and, like, just is all about, like, roughing people up. I think it's yeah. a refreshing approach to, like, you know, like, he's he could be kind of like a prick, but he uses his words and he's, like, tactical about getting the information that he needs, like, even if he's a little over the fucking top. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just just a bit. Just a bit. Um, I will say Robert De Niro is nicer to his lady. He does leave her, but that's for her own good. <laughs> is it? Is it? I was going to say that. Eh, I mean, it, it is technically, but I don't think that was the reason why he left.
1: <laughs> I mean, when the titular the right heat choice.
0: comes around the corner, and that's that's his yeah. name, right? That's that's Al Pacino's name. Is Jack Heat? Is that, is that what yep. we decided? <laughs> yep. all
1: right. When you feel it, uh, yeah. That I mean, that is an interesting point. So, like, for as much as Macaulay has these rules, like drop everything and go immediately or um i i just i wonder like it's interesting that suddenly he wants to find that connection like he looks mm-hmm. around the table and he sees all all of his buddies who are who have relationships and i mean i don't know like for me i thought it was interesting that that was sort of the moment where he decided like maybe he would be open to that idea when clearly this is like a big deal for this heist and at the same time he knows better like he like he thinks about it and he hesitates and he shouldn't hesitate yes. <laughs> because every time he does he makes the wrong choice but i i just think it's interesting that he looks at these relationships and like clearly the, the relationship with chris and oh my gosh ashley judd's character's name is blanking on me right now charlene wow. Charlie, um I mean. Is not a healthy relationship. And yet, so it was like 50% of the people. Well, all right. So there's Danny Trejo's character and his family and their family, rather. um And then we've got Chris and Charlene, who it's a little bumpy. I can't speak to Chorito and his wife. I mean, it seems like they're happy, but she also seems to have like an established career. <laughs> so um aside
0: from all the jail time, I think you could argue that, you know, uh, uh michael the fact the sheer amount of time that he's been away like versus there like yeah probably yeah. doesn't make you a good partner like you're you're making the choice in other words to like engage in career. although she seems okay with it i mean to be fair like not too upset like they mm-hmm. like de niro makes that joke when he gives her the the jewelry and he's like just don't ask him where he got it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, you know like, <laughs> so yeah
1: No, you're good. I mean, it's a good point. So I just thought it was interesting, like, why now? Why is it this person that you want to try and make this work with at this moment? And then suddenly it's like, oh, you have to come with me.
0: I Um, can tell you why. It's because, like, that's supposed to be the last one, right? So in his mind, Mm -hmm. like, this is the final heist. It's low risk because I'm so confident that we can pull this off that, like, I'll have this set up with somebody that like I want to to kind of ride off into the sunset with and it as yeah. you said like he hesitates and it backfires of course because his instinct is right of mm-hmm. like focus on the job and then worry about the other stuff later. Yeah. Should have met a nice kiwi down in New Zealand where he was going to go.
1: I know. I yeah. do. You'll have options. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but yeah, but then no plot. It is it is a bit clunky,
0: but at the same point it's yeah for the sake of the plot.
2: Yeah, it felt it felt kind of shoehorned. Um
0: just it's not executed well.
2: No, and <laughs> also there's the part where she let he like chases her down and like uh basically physically assaults her and then she's like, Can I leave? Like, am I a prisoner? And he's like, Yeah, you can go and she leaves. Then she's like down to still leave the country with him later, like what? <laughs>
0: it's yeah, kind of it like couple, that scene from a couple like, whiskeys like, deep we were watching yeah. this in person together and i was like you know if some guy and may was like well, it's because you're you're like i was like well you know some woman like what and she's like yeah it's an easy thing for a guy to say like sure like if some millionaire woman was like she's like but like it's different for a woman and i was like yeah when you put it that way like that's, also, that's like,
2: how sex trafficking happens <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah so eye-opening but
2: Not to not to judge our our graphic designer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wish we like I think if we had gotten a little bit more of where she was coming from, like that because she's like new to the dynamic of like the group, like she's not an established spouse or something. I think it would have helped a bit more. I'm curious, like so I know Heat 2, now that we've watched this, like is a simultaneous prequel and sequel. So it follows Chris Charitas. Um, as he's escaped and he's living I think in South America post fallout of everything that's happened and then the prequel part of it is Neil and Vincent like as they're young like men like and I that's really all I know about it so I think they're gonna have to cast like younger versions of both of those characters for like the film and then I kind of hope they just like find a way to work around like I know Val Kilmer can't really like speak anymore um okay throw that into the character you know like he's got gambling problem like if they can make it work with his like voice box that would be really cool like i'd like to see him at more stuff like he broke my heart and top gun maverick if you guys have seen that like it's it's a great
1: oh yeah absolutely man That's great
0: yeah uh as far as like the the two principles like i i like them both for like different reasons and i think like the diner scene, as May said, is like a perfect, like, yep, they're they're perfectly cast because I think anybody playing off of De Niro or Pacino, you it's it's a hard thing to stand up to to those and like people in like a scene like that. So like seeing them come together, I just love the exchanges and sort of the sentiment of that scene, which is now that I've met you, like I like you, but like I'm not gonna hesitate to take you down and vice versa. Um I d like <laughs> I think the Pacino character, like, so I think Vincent has so many great, like, scenes, and even though he's a shitty husband, I like, I love when he comes home and he's been cuckolded, and, like, he's just, he's calm about it until he sees the guy watching his television set, and then he kind of loses his (laughs) shit, like, (laughs) it's such a wonderful, and the the guy's like, can I leave, this has nothing to do with it, he's like, fucking sit down, man, like, you can fuck my wife you can eat my eggs but what you can't do is watch my tv it's so great (laughs) um but like and then you kind of flip the coin and like neil macaulay like he's like ice cold you know like not in a bad way but like watching him plan and talk and you know like manage the wreckage within his own crew like seeing him try to like wrangle the like uh chris you know and like Hey, I'm not asking you to keep your marriage together. Like, give him the shot. And then I like, and you I believe him when he's like, I will set you up myself. Like, but like he needs to be focused for this. Like, if he fucks up, like, hey, I get it. And uh yeah, I think like they're they're very interesting characters in that regard. And I, I'm really excited to like read that book eventually just to kind of see. Do we get more background like into like some of those like relationships and marriages? Like, do they cover any of that? Or is it going to strictly be kind of like them as the young, you know, young men, but yeah, it's just, they're wonderfully cast. I cannot imagine. I think it'd be an interesting exercise, like as a separate segment to like, who would you pick? Like if you were to cast heat today as your principals, cause like, obviously they'd be way too old for, for those characters, but
1: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well I don't know man if you ever watch uh Graham Norton there's a good segment where um Tom Hiddleston does it was De Niro and Tom Hiddleston were on together and Hiddleston did an impression of that whole scene exchange from the from the diner between De Niro and Pacino and it was hilarious just like how much I felt like he channeled it well so if you get a chance definitely check it out I'm sure it's on YouTube but
2: I can kind of picture that in my head with Hiddleston
1: yeah yeah i could too and let's pivot a little bit and talk about the ladies and how they all get the short end of the stick so thoughts on (laughs) from the crazy of the of the hannah and the coolness of the macaulay over to how everybody ends up who has to deal with that slash any other characters that we've got to because some i guess i should say so Danny Trejo's character who's also I believe named Trejo conveniently yeah. um, for that character unfortunately his family gets like murdered right by Wayne Grove I think is who ends up betraying them and so I took my ad man
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah so i feel like
1: i feel so bad for like and he was actually like he was a pretty loyal guy and so for his I mean, up until the very end where he had like he had a choice and he wanted to you know protect his family and thought he was doing the right thing and then it just backfired so it's like it sucks that that's the way that it that it ended up for him so with that character having like that um relationship having been murdered out of the scene um then we've got you know the other relationships that are a little of i mean they're they're pretty rough. So thoughts on the the female characters that we get in the film and how you think that compares to what we've, what we've already discussed. And Chris, I'm going to go ahead and toss this one over to you.
0: I had um great joy in and otherwise like injecting like a tragic uh story into some comic relief by pointing out that Dennis Habert who plays uh I think his name's Donald uh is the all-state guy um so the next yeah he is. Yep. <laughs> uh um because you know his story is very tragic I think uh he's he's in a corner like like I you could argue he doesn't have much of a choice like he's got like a piece of shit boss who is ripping off probably not much money that he's gonna make in that diner to begin with like he just wants to reform and be able to like Put food on the table and he's being kicked around. And I think he's probably one of the more sympathetic, like, participants in the heist because you can definitely see where he's coming. It's necessity, not like greed, you know? He's not like a Chris Sharitas who's like, or not, is it? No, it's Michael Sharitas. Chris, what's his uh, last name anyway? It's not like Chris who's like trying to feed the gambling um, habit, right? Like, so I feel very bad for, her. like, I think, like, that's a, significant others she's like oh i'm proud of you like fucking breaks my heart every time i'm like when i see that and like knowing what's coming but um i think that we've kind of covered Edie already so i'm gonna skip over that um pacino's um lady is justine. justine yeah so she's an interesting character i think like he kind of unfairly like points out like you know like oh you're like stoned when I come home and blah, blah 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 blah, instead of like kind of taking responsibility, that like maybe the reason she's so medicated and sort of like pulling your hair out is you're not ever there, you know, like her her needs aren't fulfilled, and um, I think like again, um, pretty understandable. And I think he mentions at one point it's his fourth marriage or third marriage when he's talking to De Niro great honest response yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he's like my wife and i are passing each other like on the way down like um the wreckage of a marriage or something. it's a great line but um butchering but um yeah i don't know like, like i guess that I, at the kind of the top of the show i think that michael man is having some very very like um strong commentary on maybe toxic masculinity and sort of the wreckage that these men are leaving in pursuit of their, their passions. Right. Um, you see Pacino make the choice in the right. When they're in the OR waiting room where she's like giving them permission to go. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay. He still makes the choice to go. Doesn't need to go. I mean, I mean, he like a junkie kind of needs to go, but like, like it's nobody would have thought worse of him if he had decided to stay in the OR with his, with his family. Like even if the marriage was over largely, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of all very hard. I think that's one of the big bummer aspects of the movie is that all these people claim to be doing what they're doing to put food on the table and just take care of their families and shit. I think the real truth of it is they, they do it because they enjoy it like that. That is where they get their thrills and like enjoyment out of life. Yep. Sad. Yeah. As far as like how the, the, the characters are themselves are developed, I think you got mixed results, you know, for some of them. Like, I think Justine's the most strongly developed probably, of the like partners of all the characters um Ashley uh Judge Charlene right is that we said said her name is Mm -hmm. yeah um I think she's fairly well developed given that like she's a decent analog to like Chris and like his problems I think there's a really great scene where he shows up in disguise quote unquote (laughs) he's just cut his hair essentially um, it's a very unexpected moment where she she does the like fold. That's the fold option yeah. where she's like sliding the cards across the that's what that that gesture means and he understands. So um, and then you know, we've talked about Edie and some of the others that are kind of just ancillary characters. I think they could have done a little better, but I think all in all, like most of the women serve their purpose, which is to be like <laughs> these guys are not um, in touch with their emotions and certainly are not good partners, like to their to their um their. You know, their wives, girlfriends, whatever.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I mostly agree with everything Chris has said. Um, I also see the women less as their own characters and more as just kind of reflections of the like male partner's unhappiness and mm. kind of what the male partner was wishing to have, right? Yeah. Um, especially when you look at Edie and like she seems to want kind of like an escape to a humdrum life, but one that's like maybe not as uh risky as what robert de niro's character presents but you know she's willing to go along with it um and then you look at like justine and she just really wants al pacino's character to be present and i feel like he has that anxiety too but he he buries it because he's into the thrill of the chase so much more Mm. so I feel like all the women are just there to kind of reflect, like, the pitfalls of each character's kind of role in the movie. Um, My heart especially breaks for Charlene, because she's in a straight-up, like, abusive relationship, I will say, for, like, all the shit that uh, Val Kilmer's character pulls, like, throwing things around, breaking stuff. Like, seems very toxic, and um, the fact she still goes out of her way to, like, help him, like... I just uh, (laughs) I feel for Charlene I hope she has good things in her life after this
0: (laughs) Dominic right there's their son yep yeah Yeah. hopefully like from her perspective it's like I can still get rid of you like you're out of our lives but like sure here's one last little like (laughs) favor to like get and you on your way
2: bit, it's a bit different when you have a kid with someone it's like well i don't want to be responsible for your dad getting either imprisoned for life or killed so
0: <laughs> true yeah i'm really <laughs> curious to see i want i like i wonder how much like i'm like I, i'm kind of stoked on the idea of like reading this book like sometime soon to to see like what what's covered and it's written by michael Mann. and i hope the movie's good but
2: yeah anyway sorry Another underdeveloped woman, though, besides Edie, I think, is Natalie Portman's character. Because we're told that she's, like, very unwell. And she seems like she is very emotional, um, like, disproportionately emotional the whole film, leading up to her suicide attempt. But we're not ever really given a reason. I think, like, Justine makes some comment about her uh, bio dad never being around and how Al Pacino never being around makes that worse. But, like, there's got to be a lot more going on there. And... (laughs) <laughs> um yeah. to have a really graphic depiction of a suicide attempt just kind of thrown in there without any appropriate buildup just felt not great
0: <laughs> it, it feels like there was probably like some some stuff in the script that didn't make its way to screen yeah. almost right like you know what I mean like yeah. there's things that are like dropped where you're like this is gonna like kind of develop throughout the and then it just kind of doesn't and that thread mm. picks back up you know like mm. okay. So I agree with you that's a that's a great point
1: so what you're saying oh, yeah. is we need like the director's like extended edition <laughs> cut we need the Lord of the Rings version oh, where we no. can finally just sit back for five hours and watch the f- heat is the like in the way it was originally intended because uh, like I'm game I'll do it <laughs> I've sat through worse <laughs> oh, man.
0: or like break it into parts like they did for um, Hateful Eight um I don't know. did you you know did you see that like so they he did like an extended director's cut for netflix but they br- broke it into four episodes where like each episode was like 45 minutes to an hour depending on the episode um Interesting. Yeah. so I, there was more that. scenes than when i saw which was i saw the extended like you know uh 70 millimeter or whatever it was like or uh in in theaters and um I, I really liked it because like I rewatched Hateful Eight and I, like in theaters I had kind of a lukewarm response to it like I liked it well enough as kind of a whodunit but like the episodic structure of a very long movie like I watched it over two nights where I watched like two episodes like went to bed got went about my business the next day and then watched two more episodes the next night and I, I had so much more fun like watching it like that so there you go he, I pitched that to Michael Mann hey give us like all the goodness like whatever was on the cutting room floor and just do like a Netflix style like four episodes yeah
1: limited series oh yeah <laughs> oh you, hey, look it'll work look man i talked to snyder he got the hookup over here so make it happen netflix will do it
0: they're hurting for content right now though, I got, they're on like what like month three of uh writers and actors striking so
1: Tangentially, what a weird thought. Like, do you think that with the lack of content, people are going to be like, So, uh, you know, you had that director's cut line around that you were like, doesn't exist, but could we like get in on that? (laughs) I have no doubt. Like,
0: they're already recycling like content and stuff, like on network TV and some of the streaming platforms. Like, it's going to get to a point where. Uh, they're already hurting, I'm sure, but like it's like when when things are like looking bad in terms of like what can we actually put out? I think as we're hopefully like the people that are not getting paid right now like are gonna have way more leverage to get what they want. Fingers crossed. rightfully so.
1: Yeah, agreed. Woo. So I think you know, like the other main question that I had before, kind of throwing out just any other thoughts, um, theories tangential jokes about everything we've covered was that with the because this is about the cast um and the focus of why we of why this was pitched as the film to watch is that and what we've already mentioned too is that there's just a lot of faces that you recognize i mean we've talked about so and i apologize i should know this guy's name by now um dennis hayesbert so allstate guy slash I'm pretty sure the president from that TV series 24, but I could be wrong. Fact check me on it.
0: I never saw it, but I feel like he was the president
1: on 24. I'm just going to make stuff up about this guy now. President on 24, (laughs) and he is the president.
0: You're correct, David Palmer on 24. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure played
1: God in that TV series Lucifer as well. Mm. But I like him. I love listening. Great fucking voice. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah so anytime i see him show up i'm like i recognize him you know you got william Fitchner, who is like he is the side character of every (laughs) yeah like (laughs) if he's gonna be if there's gonna have a random side character he will probably show up at some point um trying to think who else man hank azaria you know for fans of the simpsons for his voice acting work or uh geez the birdcage that he was in um it's gonna kill me i'm sure there's like two others that i had in mind with him but like him i i I can't not look
0: the hip-hop guy you know from the 90s he nice. he was in you know Ace Ventura the original I think but,
1: oh uh, yeah oh man he's
0: got a very very distinct like raspy kind of voice so you have him <laughs> you got Seth um, Levine, who played Seth Bosco Levine. yeah well, and and Buffalo Bill and
1: Sam Williams yeah yeah,
2: yeah. also ah. uh, played a goofy detective in Monk
1: Monk yes oh my gosh Monk absolutely great <laughs>
2: Saddlemyer <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you mentioned John Voigt earlier, which is like crazy no. how small of a role like he has. No, um, but like you know, uh, memorable. Uh, I your, the person uh, I, w- I want to sh- uh, shout out, what is this guy's name? He was the he played Frankenstein in um Monster mm. Squad, which is like one of my favorite, like, fun Tom Noonan. Um, oh, yeah. he's like a very, very like recognized, he's an odd looking guy. I mean, that in a nice way, like, very distinct. Um, but he's been in like several several movies, and uh, the like. Again, first thing I saw him as as a kid was playing Frankenstein's creature in Monster Squad, which is kind of like a fun take on all the classic like monsters, where it's like a group of friends that are like into monsters, like come face to face with like the Wolfman and the Mummy and all that stuff. But anyway, nice. Tom Noonan,
1: great. Ah, uh, geez, who else we got? And Henry, Henry just Rollins. At this point, yeah, that's great. Barclay Alex is like, is that the guy
0: from Black Flag? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it is. They picked the perfect person to look like intimidating and stupid. Like, and right. I, like Henry Rollins is not a stupid guy, but like the way he plays that character, where he's just perpetually kind of confused, but like ready to beat some ass. Like, good stuff.
1: I may not pronounce this guy's last name correctly, but because it is Michael Mann, who also did Last of the Mohicans we've got west studi i want to say um who played casals who was also in 90 percent sure it was also in last of the mohicans
0: he's also in street fighter like the movie I mean, nice I street fighter play. like with right. van Damme
1: and yeah <laughs> double checking
0: though i'm pretty gosh, sure he played sagat in street oh, fighter gosh. Anyway, continue. I'm double-checking.
1: I am just falling down IMDb's rabbit hole of characters. He, he was. He's Victor Sagat. Nice. <laughs> that guy's great. And then Jeremy Piven for people who were a fan of... Well, I guess the first thing... Unfortunately, I don't know why, because I do not I do not like this show. <laughs> but, like, wasn't... Oh, he played... um. Oh, geez. What's the... It's, like, the story about... Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> life in Hollywood—they turned to
0: like a TV series. Uh, well, the only thing I know is walbergers but oh, it's
1: Entourage. That show. Oh pretty... there, yeah, yeah. there we go. Basically, the the like macho man version of like Sex of the City.
0: <laughs> yeah, I that show sure was that. fun, man. I it's been a long. I don't know how it's held out, but like in college, it was a it's fun enough.
1: but Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah it is. So <laughs> i throw out all these random people because it's like watching this film and i can't remember like who was big and who wasn't at the time besides the main a-list actors that are in it but like was there anyone in particular either for watching this the first time or watching this you know so many times afterwards where you still go like hey you know like i forgot this this person was in this film like i recognize that face and you know is anybody that stood out to you that you thought a That you were surprised by um being in it or b that you you thought was just kind of like a standout performance even for like as you mentioned like with john Boyd, where he's only in like x number of scenes in the film um just somebody you thought did really well just given the fact that they were only in it for like maybe two minutes of the film or 10 minutes give or take um and Chris, since we've already been rolling with some Dave's man, I'm going to throw it back over to you on that one.
0: Oh, <laughs> I was deferring to me. That's okay. That's okay. Um, we can do that too. We can cut. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Uh, for me, it's Ted Levine. Um, like, and it was like last year, I think I was watching it. And uh, I mean, dude, at that point, I'd probably seen this movie like at least 10 times. And like, there's like a point where he's on the radio talking and I heard Buffalo Bill and I was like, what is that and then like i looked at him and i was like i think that's buffalo bill and marion was like no way it's not and then you know he just he got real kind of uh would you would would you call for backup i'd call for backup <laughs> Like, <laughs> and um i was i was shocked because like i you know he's inseparable from that character for me i think like that's such a thing but i wouldn't say it's particularly stand now it just was a shocking sort of revelation i gotta
2: say danny trejo like (laughs)
0: yes oh yes
2: especially because my first time ever seeing trejo in a film was Spy kids so now that i'm an adult watching him in serious films doing good acting i'm like what is this
1: (laughs) so just out of curiosity because there is there because danny trejo is like that go-to guy now with so many things where you when you recognize him instantly like after that was there any other film that you'd seen him in where you were just like wait hold on you know <laughs> whether it's older kind of like heat or if just anything that's come out since then, since my kids
2: i know the answer is yes but i'm also having trouble thinking of things so i'm talking while pulling up his imdb <laughs> Right.
0: <laughs> I remember it's the first right, movie that like stuck with me for him, like where like I recognized him as like that's the guy is uh I forget the specific name of the character, but it's like Johnny eighty eight or some shit, like huh. or Johnny like he's like a rapist on the plane in Con Air, and he's got like a tattoo for each of his victims, Ew. and he was so fucking scary and like menacing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was like the first time he like stuck out as like. This is played to like horrible perfection. Um, I'm always gonna love him as as Machetti though, and and uh, originally the Grindhouse like fake trailer that yeah. became like a movie. It's not a good movie, but it's a lot of fucking fun. Doesn't matter, and because like that character is the same character at all the Rodriguez movies, like um, Spy mm-hmm. Kids. Like his names are always like a play on like a type of knife, and he's like Robert Rodriguez has said, like yeah, it's kind of meant to be like the same guy just different iterations but i mean runner up to like his character at the vampire and the titty twister bar at uh from dust till dawn like <laughs> he, looks, <laughs> he looks awesome in all the vampire makeup and stuff but
2: oh i'm sure nice. wait yeah. so hold
1: on so if he's the same character at all of Rodriguez's stuff, are we saying that even in the book of Boba Fett, that guy is still... <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, what what's his character name? I'd be curious actually now to see if it's like a, a name or a type of blade, because like that that is kind of the gimmick in those.
1: I might have to fact check on that for you, but May, I apologize. I think I cut you off. So I'm going to pivot back over to you while I look that up.
2: Yeah, I'm just astonished by some of the things popping up on his IMDb. Like, did you know he was... Uh in an episode of Phineas and Ferb for instance. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, nice. he's such a joyful guy. Like he'll be in it, like he just loves to be in stuff. Like
2: yeah, yeah so. it's really cool. Also, I'm apparently he was but... in Brooklyn 9 9, which I love, and um what we do in the shadows. So I don't remember his appearances in either, but yeah, I'm pretty
0: sure that what we do in the shadows is like the council, the vampire council, because okay. Every vampire in the Vampire Council is a famous vampire from another franchise. Like, that was kind of the gag in that was that, like, you had people from like different vampire movies that were all in the council. But
2: that checks out.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm very disappointed to say his name is only Rancor Keeper in the book. Well, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. This, (laughs) I feel, I I feel like he was slighted in his character name.
0: In our mythology, Rancor is a type of, knife in the Star Wars universe. There you go. <laughs> the creature's named after it. Nice. Sort of fixed it fixed it.
2: Yep. Nice. He was Anchor Man? An Anchorman?
0: Oh. I don't know, remember.
2: Maybe. As a bartender apparently. See, I oh, love this. He's that. just everywhere.
0: <laughs> he's nice. so like great on social media too. Like he's such a positive like funny guy.
2: And apparently, he was in Monk for an episode too. So there's a little connection.
0: There he yes. is. Six degrees of of uh, Danny Trejo, more like, right? Like...
2: <laughs> Wait, can we play that from now on? I would love I that. I mean,
0: it could work. <laughs> we could make it work. We should. He's been in enough stuff. I bet you we could could figure out some some great mashups. Call it the
1: Trejo maneuver. Well, guys, that is pretty much all I got on the docket, question-wise. Uh, depending on the time that we're looking at, I wanted to kind of pass it over to both of you. Any additional thoughts about Heat? Things we didn't cover or that you want to revisit?
0: No, just hope the the book and the film adaptation that's upcoming is good. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like if you've made it this long in your life and you haven't seen Heat... Here's an excuse to to watch it. It's fabulous, and that's all I got.
2: It will surprise you,
0: <laughs> like a listicle, like a listicle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what we're gonna put on the uh, on the updated cover for the film by May Finch. It will surprise you, surprise you. starring De Niro and Pacino. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if that's the case, um, then I've got a little game we can play It's very short. It's just just some true and false questions about the movie to see nice. how you feel, uh, if you if you think that you can make it through it okay before we pass it on over to the next film that we're going to get to talk about.
2: So, I bet you... Chris is going to beat me on this.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I'm not like super up on my heat trivia. I cert- like, I've made it a point to not look at. IMDb trivia for the films that we talk about So after we do the episode because I don't want to have a leg up. So,
2: But you've been watching this annually for five years.
0: Oh, I'm not saying I've not ever looked at the IMDb trivia on this <laughs> film. I'm just saying it's been at least a year since I've looked at the IMDb trivia. Okay.
1: First true or false question. Robert De Niro and Al Pacino never actually filmed the same scenes together.
0: By that you mean they were never physically in the same space? Correct
1: their characters may have inhabited the same space but when they actually filmed the movie they were never together gotcha
2: i'm gonna say false because i think that final scene they are like definitely holding hands i mean i guess it could have been a stunt double but it seems like a lame reason to use stunt double
0: i'm also gonna say false because i specifically heard the story of the diner scene of like they were up super late and both of them thought they were not going to be able to have the energy to do it because it was an intense scene and they had to drink a lot of coffee and stuff and nailed it.
1: Well you're both correct. It is false.
2: Yay. Um
1: I remember when I was growing up at some point I heard like some false like I guess this was either limited internet fact checking at that time or it was just some trivia that I heard that I was like, oh that's interesting. And then thought about it every time I watched the film, which um was i guess it was just a rumor that they had apparently never either somebody had seen the fact that the way it's cut makes it look like they're never actually in the same scene together or that there was like a body double or something especially in the diner scene together and so um wherever i heard it from was clearly incorrect but i was fascinated to find out that that was false so and apparently was also discussed during a um there's like a I guess like a, a convention or something. They had like the actors back together to talk about it after so many years and they debunked that myth. So that was nice to know.
0: Yeah. That green screens sticks out like a sore thumb. I think we'd know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Right. Like actually. Yeah. All right. Question number two. Christopher Nolan is a big fan of heat so much that he used it as inspiration in the dark night.
0: Well, true. <laughs> may may knows us because we talked true. about it <laughs> on our screening it is definitely true nice
1: see not so hard you guys you both might actually win in which case i, I listened to, out to out chris when
2: he rants about movies
1: that's the secret <laughs> store that knowledge i'm sorry i can't help it i love it's cinema. helping me right now
2: so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice question number three He was shot entirely on location.
2: I've gone first for the last couple, so I think Chris should go first on this one. I will also say false.
0: false. That green screen. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
1: I guess technically, so I will say there might I'm gonna give you both. Credit for it because of the fact that we talked about the green screen. Uh, green screen. I think the majority of the film was shot on location, from what I read, to include like LAX. But that oh, the, yes. that I mean, so yeah, you both get the point for that. um I thought it was interesting how, at the same time, too, and I could be wrong about this. I feel like I read this somewhere, but it was also late at night, so you may have to fact check me. But apparently, when they were shooting at LAX, there was a little bit of uh setback with that because at the same time they had received a threat not them doing the movie but like the airport had received a threat from the unabomber around that time frame so i may have to double check that
0: how expensive do you think it is to shoot at an airport like that has to be like one of the most expensive places you could fucking shoot a movie right Mm-hmm. the disruption I so. like i mean i granted this is pre 9 so i'm sure it was cheaper then. like i don't even know if you could do it now if you wanted to yeah. like um probably a lot harder but anyway i digress yeah. uh,
1: no you're good and in fact uh you know what shout out to esquire for where i may or may not have learned that trivia but <laughs> that's uh, that's what i got there for you um all right next question Al Pacino was the first actor to sign on for the film.
0: I'll go first again. Uh, I'm gonna say false. I don't know why. I'll have a reason, but
2: I'm, gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say true, just so we can have different numbers of points.
0: There's a reason. That
1: is, I mean, you you are correct, May. It will lead to that. <laughs> um, your logic is flawless. I will say. <laughs> <laughs> so the Chris the point goes to Chris. Uh, so it was actually De Niro who was first offered, or at first signed on rather, and then approached Pacino about doing it once he read the script.
2: Interesting.
0: Don't don't feel bad. I had no reason to say false other than like just a to toss see. of the coin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
2: fine. I'll catch you. Like that's right, Al Pacino. Still... Nice, <laughs> that's right?
0: You're like. Now that I've met you, Chris, like I like you, <laughs> I'm gonna take you down. I won't like it, <laughs> <laughs> but if it
1: comes between you and making some, yep, that's right, <laughs> or bastard, a... yeah, yeah, a widow or making some, yeah, ah, I can't do the line, yeah, I'm there. Google it. <laughs>
0: uh, I do want to watch yeah. that now. Yeah,
1: final question, slash, maybe not the final question if May comes back on this one so Ted Levine, uh, who we have liked to point out was Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. And you know monk as well, we can't you know we gotta give credit where it's due. um his first role offered on the film was actually for Wingrow, but he decided to pass.
0: You want to go first or me go first?
2: I think it's my turn again. Um I've never heard of that happening on a movie before. think are to say false?
0: I'm going to say true that he did pass just to make sure I'm understanding like what I'm saying true to only because he had played Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs like a couple years earlier. And I would imagine he may be afraid of being typecast and Wayne grows kind of a psychopath like unstable guy, serial killer type. So that's my logic. I have no idea if it's right or not.
1: Chris, you are 100% correct for your reason as well as the answer. So, yeah. He didn't Fair want to nice. get typecast as the same type of
0: character. Well played, me.
2: Well played to you as well.
0: Yeah. Really I only consider that like being one point ahead of you because the, the other answer was just was a random roll of the dice.
2: Still a point. Very true. Well, well the played. Line, I will points die. don't really matter. So. I will <laughs> die under an airplane now.
0: <laughs> I will hold your <laughs> hand while you die. Yeah. <laughs> While Aww. the swelling sounds of synthesizers <laughs> <laughs> come up around us, thank you for uh, picking an excellent film and guiding the discussion. Yes, and picking a, a fun—I I always like a bit of trivia. You know, trivia is an underrated uh, game, honestly. Like because we learn, we learn together. So, thanks for hosting, man. And before Bye, we boy. fade to black, let's look and see what we're gonna be watching next. So as a reminder, last episode we drew, was the book better for The Shining? So that is going to be forthcoming to give everybody who wants time to read the novel and watch the film. I've started the novel with Marianne. We're, we're making it like a couple activities. So we're reading right. it out loud. She's never read it. And it's already going splendidly. Um, more to come on that. Nice. As far as next week goes, though, I'm going to shuffle the cards. And ooh, it's a time machine. And oh, yeah. hold please, why I pick up the car or sorry, the list and see what we're gonna be watching. Okay, as a reminder, Time Machine is category where we discuss a film that is more than 50 years, 50 years old. And will you get honor of this uh, next week's film as well? The film is one that I've actually not seen and heard is like amazing, like one of the best ever. And it is The Apartment. So I'm quite excited for this. Can you tell us why you nominated The Apartment?
1: I can, because it's got Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon in it. And it is a very sweet film that is, it seems ridiculous in its premise at first and seems like it's going to be like a, like goofy and lighthearted and funny and then, also has some really serious moments like about depression and suicide. And it was just, it was a lot deeper than I ever expected it was going to be. And I actually thought it was by the end of it. I I don't know. I just, I really
0: something about it just really hit me. So I think it's, this is, film. I think it's really it, good. Is yeah. it Billy Wilder? Yes, it is. And 1960 Billy Wilder as well. Um, yeah well dude thanks thanks for giving me an excuse to finally like scratch it off it's been one of those movies i've danced around for like years and years Mm -hmm. billy wilder is like one of my favorite like classic hollywood directors who uh the year before made some like it hot which is the amazing cross-dressing romp starring (laughs) again jack lemon and you know tony curtis and marilyn monroe of course so um i'm glad to hear this is like got like the kind of the nice balance of like poignant and funny. I feel like a lot of films like in that era didn't always walk that line as much. Like you were firmly a comedy or a musical or whatever. So man, very excited. Yeah. And young Shirley MacLaine. That's got to be amazing too. I imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's great.
0: Well, that's, uh that's what we're watching next week. You can find us on the bird app, x whatever you want to call it <laughs> uh, at screen quest pod still not very happy about uh listen i i saw a rumor like sorry to like go on another tangent that you may have to consent to some stuff that like sounds pretty like shady on there to have an account like including like a driver's license and like a photo of yourself and if that happens uh we won't be on there anymore i won't be on no. there anymore but hopefully somebody talks the uh, speaking of Watchmen, like I've heard him described as dollar store Ozymandias, <laughs>
1: like
0: <laughs> which is such a uh, funny, um, <laughs> uh, oh no. off the ledge on that one. But anyway, until then, you can find us at ScreenQuest Pod on there. Maybe we'll make a account on some of the other ones as well. We'll see. Um, uh, but as always, we do support the show wherever you get it, whether it's on YouTube or your favorite podcast service. Don't forget to uh like, share, and subscribe, all that good stuff, especially the share part. I've said it a million times, but it is really the most helpful way for the show to grow, and we appreciate it. But until next week, we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.
1: Mixed up with that bitch. Cause she got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Jesus. When I think of
2: asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me.